and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard and joining me tonight is a gentleman by the name of Henry Jasper from Grubbling Games. <laughs> and the title of the show is going to be Don't Grubbling Around, Just Sit There and Work Out the Perfect Crime. Sorry, so so let's not grubbling around. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've never used it, um, I've never heard it used in, the, in that kind of um, context before. Okay. That's okay. That's the first for everything. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, my name is Henry Jasper. I'm from Grubbling Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first thing, most importantly, what are you drinking? Yeah, I've got a beautiful, hot, steaming cup of tea right in front of me, actually. That's, so, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Well. I myself have gone down the um, smoothie route. I've decided to mash up a whole pile of bananas and apples and strawberries and everything else I could get my hands on, and it's sitting to me, okay. um, waiting to have a nice long drink. Now, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm looking forward to drinking on that. Hmm, but okay. but Sounds more importantly, nice. um, how are you doing yourself? Yeah, I'm very well. Um, it's uh, it's sunny down here. I'm relaxed and well. <laughs> um, just working my ass <laughs> off at the moment, um, but in a happy way. In a, in a, in, I'm happy to work my ass off at the moment. Um, but um, yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> now, um, <clears throat> for those who haven't listened to the show before, um, the reason. Well, first of all, thank you for joining us. The reason that we do this is because we wholeheartedly believe uh, there is simply not enough podcasts out there about board games. Um, I've checked all over iTunes and other such places mm. and just cannot find any. And the other reason uh, that we do this is because we like to speak to designers out there who are um, pretty much um, mm. working on their projects, finding out a little bit more about them. So um, me and Henry have kind of been chatting a little bit back and forward. And so um, I thought it was time to, to get him on so he could have a chat. So what we like to do in these situations is we like to have, well, to find out a little bit more about how you got into the hobby. So we like to have a little stare back in the past before planning a caper in the present and looking forward to the perfect crime in the future. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your history? Um, I can certainly give it a go. Um Okay. So um, I'm part of a large family, and um, I'm kind of at the younger younger end of the spectrum. And um, I think I've taken so much kind of input uh, culturally, especially um, from my oldest brother. My oldest brother was into D and D, and so it was essential that I was into D and D from a very young age. So he'd be playing with his friends, and I'd be making a nuisance of myself and being kind of thrown out the room and things. Um, from I don't know, like the age of seven, eight, that kind of thing. Um, that then turned into um, just reading loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of Doctor Who books and sci-fi novels yeah. and fantasy and all this kind of thing. Um, I didn't actually get into board games until, I don't know, I would say about like mid-twenties actually. Um, so I did the computer games thing um, from, I don't know, like 95 to about 2001. Uh-huh. And I kind of really felt that computer games are plateauing and... I wasn't really seeing anything new and I was just kind of tired of it. So, um, 
that then kind of turned into, um, but I obviously had this thing about games. Um, yeah. I kind of loosely, not in a formalized way, not in a, this is the thing I do kind of way, <laughs> like that. I started making games for parties, um, for friends, for birthdays, all this kind of thing. And, um, kind of like, kind of half-life roleplay, um, half kind of like mega game type thing. Um, but I was really interested in, the the way people were kind of interacting together as not as like groups but interacting together as characters and all this kind of thing and um also kind of what made what people enjoyed what what made a good game was it a good experience was it fun all that mm-hmm. kind of thing okay. um i got into board games um my first board game is in kind of modern board game that i played i think was actually doom um oh, fantasy okay. flight one um so minis heavy um turn-based movement characters that kind of thing and mm-hmm. um i really liked it and then i played i remember playing fury dracula seconds and then robo rally and then i don't know what i played after that because there's too many um but it was i was really kind of entranced with the i don't know just like the brain exploding idea of like you have a meritocracy in your game it's not like luck-based it's it's based on kind of you can be good and by being good you'll win and i love that and the way that you have a sense of balance or a notion of balance um and you have a system which is complex enough that you can do loads and loads and loads of different things with it um it's not something you can just map out and say this is your strategy you'll win um blew my mind completely um absolutely absolutely um (laughs) at that time I then, I was doing, um, I kind of went back into uni as a, a mature student. So I was running like cinemas and doing kind of management type stuff. And I decided it was, I didn't like it. Um, I got fed up with it. It was too many hours and it destroyed relationships. And I wanted something a bit more, um, future proof. So I went to uni and, um, had to go at doing a maths degree. Um, okay. So that coincided with when I got into board games and, um, that turned into something really, really weird, actually. Um, the sort of maths I was doing wasn't like the practical maths, not the useful maths. Uh-huh. It was the completely useless maths. Um, all right. Totally pure. Um, all about kind of, I got really into cryptography and uh-huh. formality proving and um, that kind of side of things. But kind of how, I don't know, how you can have sets and groups and... So is it like, kind of like the Goodwill hunting kind of fields, metal kind of beautiful mind complicated maths type thing is that is that kind of how it was well if if you kind of like scale it down by like a million levels yeah that kind of level (laughs) (laughs) because i wasn't really like amazing at it or anything um but yeah it's that i mean fields medal is for any kind of maths really um yeah that's the sort of thing that um goodwill hunting was kind of using or doing if that makes sense Okay. okay um so totally useless, but doing it for the love, really doing it for the love and um, really enjoying it and just going a bit too deep into it, really. So um, and going deep into it through board games and through attempts to design games and looking at the systems and yeah, that kind of side of it. And that's kind of when I first started, I would say, thinking about designing board games and how you go about it. Um yeah, I then left uni. Um, uh, I got a job doing uh, production management for an organic cosmetics company, and that showed me. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed it because that was all again about systems and 
um, about how people are interacting and interacting with the job that they have to do. And it was really, really mathsy. So this company, um, they're after like a biology chemistry person. And I said, like, you need to have a maths kid because you don't, you need to like, you don't know how much like, most of the stuff costs to make even and all this kind of thing. So, mm. um, I got really into that. And through that, I got a load of training in terms of project management and in terms of production management. And, um, so I did that for like two and a half years. And then I just went, actually, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to make board games. So I quit it all and started <laughs> grubbling. And that's where I kind of came from, really. Um, yeah. Um, from like why I kind of thought I, I don't know, should be making board games, because that's probably a question people should ask. Um, <laughs> like is, Jurassic um, Park, whether you well, uh, should or yeah, could be making board maybe games. You should, yeah. So I was playing, I was playing Agricola and I was playing La Havre and I played them a lot, like really a lot, like, um, I got really deep into, um, like analyzing them and pulling them apart and figuring out kind of why and what and all this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. at some point I looked at the front cover and I just went, this doesn't look very good. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't get my head around how you could have these games, which I think are like the best things I've ever played at that point. Yeah. Um, and they could look the way they looked. And so I realized I could do a better job of that. Yeah. I felt like I could do a fair job of, the uh well a fair to good job i think um of the design side of it because i thought well i can just throw loads of maths at this and that's kind of my approach and i I enjoy doing that and that's what i do so um yeah that kind of turned into that turned into cornish smuggler i really wanted to make a smuggling game i wanted to make a game about where i come from and about the cultural history of it that doesn't involve like fucking surfing or because that's not a cultural history of Cornwall. Cultural history of Cornwall is like smugglers, man. It's, um, yeah, it's more like that. So, um, yeah, smuggling, mining, fishing, two of those aren't really commercial. Um, and smuggling had to be. So I kind of set about making a game about smuggling. And so I researched the hell out of this and, um, kind of found myself in like kind of county records looking at, kind of those and um, looking at church records and stealing people's names without kind of any shame whatsoever (laughs) and um, trying to make something which was like as as good a game as I could make it and also as authentic as games I could make it okay Um, and authentic to kind of what happened but also to I don't know what I'm trying to say I think kind of about Cornwall and about where I come from and what the people are like because it's it's kind of this like a really kind of beautifully rebellious kind of attitude down here which i really uh-huh. dig um and yeah i thought let's put that in a game and see what we can do with it so that was that um well it is stunning looking game yeah got um some really nice artwork sorted out and yeah. got really good art direction kind of on the case um and hired um really really good illustrators and put it out there and see what would happen. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I started with Grubbin, really. We, um. So where did the name come from? <coughs> and I'm a pronouncing Grubbin. it right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it Grublin or Grublin or, <laughs> you know, just hoping I got it right. The, um, the games expert guys, they, um, have a, they always mispronounce it and, right, um, okay. to pull them up on it. And I see other games companies, so there's like Gameland games, there's, there's Goblin games, there's all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of, very kind of, I don't know, 
within that kind of world, I suppose. Um, my reasoning behind it is completely bollocks, man. It's bad. Um, I dreamt <laughs> okay. it. I'm not joking. I dreamt no. it. I woke up and I just went, oh, that's what the company's called. Cool. <laughs> um, I don't know where it came from. Really? It's just some kind of weird that's subconscious kind of splurge. That's that crazy. Like that. um, it's nice. It works. It's cute. It's yeah. grubby. It's a little bit funny. <laughs> so there's not any kind of meaning behind it at all? No. Not really. Oh, I mean, it's, okay. it's literally. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> during, yeah, just drunk it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. <laughs> I just can't believe it's just came out of nowhere. That's pretty cool. I just hear a business is having like branding exercises and stuff like that, and logo de- just. I did. I'm sorry. It's not, I mean, I've been I've been thinking about it for a long time. So there's that whole kind of, I don't know, like you can't really kind of figure out kind of answers to big problems until you stop thinking about them thing, I suppose. But yeah. like, um, yeah, it's it's just the way my mind seems to work, I think. When you just stop focusing on the problem and then all of a sudden it's like the solution just appears out of nowhere. You just be thinking yeah, of something random. Like that. It's like when you're doing the washing up or just like, I don't know, <laughs> stepping on a bus or something. That's when you figure shit out. Um, oh, yeah. Do you find you've got like quite a bit of a busy busy brain in general, like sell you know? Yeah, I would say that's fairly true. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, um, one of the things that everybody's kind of well, we do ask people when they come on the show is uh, stuff that they've kind of got to the table just now. I mean, is there anything that you guys have been kind of like playing? So, around? the most recent game that we as a group Cox we buy games as a group. Um, and we've been playing a lot of is the new high frontier um and that's i really like that game because it's just like you can sink your way all the way into it and Uh don't worry about where you're going to come out the other end i mean the other kind of thing that's kind of like that i think is like um the xx games um yeah which um yeah you just the problem with the xx games i think is you just you don't play anything else you just play xx games and um, you meet uh-huh. xx games players so like kind of 18 like 50 and all this kind of thing so 18 xx and do you know what i mean the train games yeah yeah okay yeah so i'm um, just gonna just gonna have a quick check on this on google and yeah see it's, it's just it's just got i think it's got poor graphic design um uh-huh. i really like the game i love the um the fact that you've actually got well, kind of auto mechanics kind of put into a board game and they've done it oh, kind right. of like pretty well i think um it's just not easy to play it's not easy to get to start playing and uh-huh. it's not easy to even figure out how you can not even win just like do some of the stuff in it for a while um it's like oh, a, game it's a from... space type game then um it's a space game so yeah, you're okay. a space company basically putting rockets into space to do different objectives like get to the moon and kind of get to different planets and all this kind of thing um have you played Kerbal Space Program no I mean I've heard of it it's um it's yeah. basically it's a kind of like a simulator space simulator game and you have to plan your trajectory but you also have to kind of like build and plan all the modules everything from like how the thing looks to the different angles on the fins and the spoilers and it goes like really, really deep into angling stuff like a couple of degrees here, a couple of degrees there, and you know, the slightest mistake mm. and you can totally end up getting kind of like go not only going the wrong direction, but your rocket can end up like exploding into like 27 yeah. kind of million pieces, basically. It's total, 
total, total, total like geek out, man. Um, yeah. And it's beautiful. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's what Kerbal's like. So yeah, wet mass, dry mass, all this kind of thing. Okay. Um, uh, High Frontier doesn't kind of go into quite so much detail, but yeah. it does go into a lot of detail. It's impressive how much they've done. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, um, yeah, so that's kind of that kind of thing, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I like those kind of games. Um, I like games I can really sink my teeth into and just forget mm-hmm. about everything because, like, games for me are, um, I don't know, like mental escapism, really. And you've got the other side, which is just like kind of hanging out with your mates. I mean, yeah, that's what I like about games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, your own game, Cornish Smuggler, I mean, that's, that was a, you know, it's a, it's a well known game. It's a well loved game by yeah. many people. It became like a, you know, it's, a big hit. I mean, it's sold um, a lot of copies. Um, it's well known for and well loved for the kind of the artwork and the and the kind of the theme and everything like that. I mean, um, did you feel kind of established um, after the success of kind of Cornish Spuggler? No, I mean, like I don't know how to look at it. I, I was going through like a weird patch then. So, like, um, from a sales point of view, yeah, really, really happy. I mean. Um, We've sold thousands and thousands of copies of Cornish Mother. That's just yeah. nice. really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, from like a personal point of view, I went into this weird state where um, I would go online and I'd go on Geek and I'd see like all this positive stuff and I'd just completely ignore it and I'd just focus on the negative things. And I got so, I don't know, just tied up. In, and I'd say to my friends and they're just like, Dude, like, come on, look, you've got all these people, like, shouting yeah. about it and saying how cool it is. And then you've got, you're focusing on this one person who's saying that they hate it and they've had a bad experience with it. And yeah. I'm just like, and at the time I was just like, oh, I've ruined, like, their experience. They've had a shitty time and mm. I feel terrible. And why have I ever made this? Because that kind of thing, which sounds like really trite, but. No, no. It's easy it's, to get focused on that. It's just imposter syndrome stuff. I mean, yeah. that's what it was, I think. Well, I think, I think once you get to a certain size, um, at the beginning, you mean, people are really, usually really, really supportive anyway. There's very few people that'll come on and say, well, what you're doing is kind of bad or they don't agree with it or they just don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think as you get bigger, you're always opening yourself to, I think you become a bit more self-conscious to the point that when you do get that first bit of feedback, and it just happens as your user base expands. I mean, it's the same with the podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. we're kind of doing well and our name's getting out there, but at the same time, I'm kind of not looking forward, I guess, to the first time that somebody turns out and says, I don't like you, and I'm deciding to actually put my head above the parapet and say something about that. So it's, no, I totally, I kind of totally kind of get where you're kind of coming from with this. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's weird. I think like the hardest thing with like doing like Grublin and deciding to do it wasn't like starting it. Um, and hasn't even actually been kind of like any particular thing in the middle. It's uh-huh. just been like figuring out how to manage like, I don't know, your expectations of it, I think, and your expectations of what other people's expectations are. So it's. Yeah, how, figuring out how you're supposed to be able to, yeah, it's weird, man, because it's like, I've been doing this for like four years now, Grubbins around mm-hmm. for four years, um, 
and haven't managed to kill the company yet, and <laughs> haven't managed to spend everyone's money yet, and yeah. that's really, really cool, and we employ people, and we're cool employers, and we make cool stuff, and all the things that I wanted to right at the beginning when Graveland was started, we totally do it. Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, like, yeah, this kind of, it's not like a, a, a fame thing, because that doesn't, I, I, that doesn't really exist. You're not famous enough. It's not like anything like that. I mean, you go to shows and you become like a mini celebrity for three days and you're just like, yeah. wow. And then you come back and it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to make my own tea. Um, but that's, <laughs> but every other time, I mean, that's, that's the closest to like kind of being famous. I think you get yeah. from this. Um, but like the rest of it is just kind of like, I don't know. I find it, I find it really, really weird dealing with how. I'm supposed to be or how what I'm I think is kind of cool to um expects other people to have yeah like um an experience from the game so if they have a good experience is that is that okay am I allowed to enjoy that if they have a bad experience how am I supposed to feel about that that's yeah, the weirdest yeah. thing it, and I don't know how to explain it any other way I think without just kind of using way too many words so so is yeah, it um was it the case that you, when you did Cornish Smuggler, you were you went to Kickstarter, didn't you? If I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was the the case. Yeah, we totally went to Kickstarter. Um, yeah. so okay. went to Kickstarter right at the beginning of kind of not at the beginning of Kickstarter, but pretty early in there. Okay. Um, and um, what did we raise? I think it was like thirty grand or so. Um, let's let's have a check. Oh. Let's see. I'm gonna have a see if we can. Okay. Right. 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 Okay. Where are we? I bet I can get okay, it before. Well, that's fair enough. I'll race you. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so raise that. That was amazing. That was incredible. Uh-huh. Um, complete crazy high. Um, and then use that money to as match funding to get more money to produce a larger production run to make everything cheaper um and yeah that's kind of where that started with um Cornish Smuggler so we we produced way too many copies mm-hmm. and we produced what was it seven and a half thousand with the first run um okay and um then instantly was like so broke as a company um we like struggled for storage space we were using people's garages um, all this kind of thing, but it works and it paid off. And um, the the whole thing with Cornish Smuggler in terms of like who's actually going to buy this game. Um, yeah. So originally I was kind of like, well, it's really for like enthusiast board gamers. Um, but if it really doesn't work, then I'm pretty sure I could sell it to tourists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy because we haven't had to do that. Um, so. Although we do stock throughout Cornwall, it's, we don't make most of ourselves through that. We make most of ourselves through enthusiast shops in the UK and in Germany. Um, All right. So, yeah, that's Cornish Smuggler. Very happy with that. Well, for people that haven't um, played Cornish Smuggler before, do you want to maybe give them a quick, like, a breakdown? Um, yeah, okay. Like, like the quick, maybe the quick five minutes or, or something like I that. I'm doing of... like 30 seconds, man. I'm so really? Okay, well, <laughs> okay, well, in that Shit. case, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna time you, right? Okay, you ready? 
three, two, okay, go. Okay, so it's a fully authentic game uh, for two to five players about smuggling in 18th century Cornwall. Uh, you play as smugglers trying to get goods to take them into towns to sell them, larger goods sell for more gold than larger towns. Um, you'll build a network of smuggling characters who you'll employ and move the goods along there. You have customs officers um, who are non-playable, so customs will react automatically to what you do as smugglers. Um, mm-hmm. So as you move and sell and, I don't know, um, your goods, um, customs will react to this. Uh, the more gold you make, the stronger they get. Um, yeah, Cornish Smuggle. There you go. That How many was, was that? That was about 26 seconds. No way. Seriously, I thought it had gone over already. Okay. No. <laughs> I should have said more. I should have said more. Well, you know, <laughs> we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, going forward, you've, um, you've obviously, Cornish Smuggle has been kickstarted successfully. Um, it's in. I mean, you've kind of reached the kind of the I can, what you would call a great state because the game's in kind of like retailers' hands, which yeah, is, well, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty much a pretty good dream, isn't it, to kind of okay. fulfil? I thought distribution was the dream. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, kind of getting it into kind of retailers' hands. Um, you've obviously managed to kind of get it up the country, and I take it of you. I mean, have you got? Kind of many kind of copies left the Cornish smuggler. You mean can you kind of like can you lay your hands on any? Are you completely kind of sold out at the moment? Um, we're completely sold out, and we have another production run which should be hitting the water in the next month. Um, yeah, so we we sold out a smuggler a little while ago actually. So yeah, I think we might have like one or two which are on the site still in the office uh-huh. somewhere. Um, okay. But that's that's it. So yeah. So have you ever been um, tempted to kind of like produce like a second edition, you know, um, I mean, are there, are there actual things that if you're given the chance you would, you would change about the original game? Yeah. No, so there's loads of things that change. I mean, you're never happy with anything. It's like, mm. um, you're always like kind of seeing things and tweaking things and wanting to change things. So, um, with this edition that's kind of in production at the moment, um, yeah, we've changed loads of things. So, um, it's mainly changes to the rules of that because, um, some of the cards have been kind of next, some of them have been buffed a little bit mm-hmm. um, and just because it's kind of been played so many times now we kind of have this information um, the big things for Cornish Smuggler so in terms of illustration, none of the illustrations have changed, love the illustrations, very happy with them yeah. um, We next year is going to be like year f- the fifth year for Cornish Smuggler um, oh. so we'll have sold out of this production run um, ran about March next year, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and Cornish Smuggler is, I should, do I want to jinx it? Yeah, fuck it. So Cornish <laughs> Smuggler is going to be in the new Tomb Raider film. Um, really? So Lara Croft is going to be playing Cornish Smuggler at some point. Oh, wow. That's well, amazing. That's the thing. I don't want to jinx it because like, what if it gets cut? Um, yeah. it's not like, um, it's not, well, it, it's, it's not like a deal where we've, it's not like a deal where we've paid money for this to happen. It's just yeah. like, because we've been searching licenses for, um, for films to attach to games. Uh-huh. Um, I think we just kind of got on someone's radar and they contacted us and just said, this is what we have to have and we really want to make this happen. And would that be cool? And we we're like, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so what I'd like to do is a, some kind of like, I don't know, five-year anniversary edition of Cornish Smuggler, because there's uh-huh. like loads of stuff I want to do to this game. You can expand it all over the place. Um, I've had rules and been testing rules for like having... So it's two to five players to take it up to six players and down to one player. 
Um, that's all fine and doable to expand the game, to just add extra stuff and extra authenticity because everything that happens in a game is stuff that people used to do 200 years ago. It's all real. Um, uh-huh. and that's what I like about it the most. So the more of that that I can make into it, um, yeah, I think that should happen. So that's where I'm at. So have you thought, um, for the fifth year, kind of like completely up in the game, kind of bringing in, you know, shiny, nice, brilliant components, uh, stuff, you know, <laughs> I don't know, um, thicker cars, real components, you know, stuff that you yeah. would potentially see people kind of, I don't know, you could be sitting in the mansion, kind of playing away, you know. <laughs> Lara Croft and her mansion, I do not live in a mansion. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think that can happen. Um, okay. so in terms of like, there's, there's, yeah, everything can be upped. Everything can be upped. I mean, it's, it's very nice as it is at the moment. So I wanted to, with Cornish Smuggler as it stands, I wanted to have everything made. So it was stuff that you'd find 200 years ago. The art styles were styles that people were using 200 years ago. It's so like all the officials and mayors and all this kind of stuff that you can kind of, subvert into your smuggling crew they're yeah. all illustrated like a hogarth thing so they're all caricatures um all the all the tradespeople um that you can get um they're all kind of like really gritty detailed people all this kind of stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah everything had to be authentic but if you're making things authentic i mean obviously I didn't have board games like that around but there's no plastic in the whole game um all right okay so i'd have to break from that to yeah. do a deluxe thing. But I think it'd be worth it because Smuggler's such a cool thing. Um, I love it. Yeah. Huh. Cool. So um, after that, you went in a little bit more of a, well, you could say a completely different direction. <laughs> um, and then you moved on to like um, Waggle Dance, <laughs> um, which is a stunning uh, looking game. Um, yeah. Well, Wackerlands, so what happened with Smuggler? So I spent like, I don't know, like a year and a half planning how Grubland would work as a company. And uh, I just kind of went really detailed on it and um, came with like loads of scenarios and contingencies and all this kind of thing. And then we launched Smuggler and everything went crazy and I didn't have a chance to breathe. Like, not literally, obviously, but um didn't have a chance. Just like... <gasps> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, didn't really have any time to do anything, um, yeah. for ages. And like new game kind of development ideas and all this kind of thing I had, but I was like, no, I, I, I do smuggler. We do mm. like the, um, third and fourth quarters, um, of that year of 2013 it was. And then yeah. I just stop. I take like a month out. I can work on new game design. We can take it from there. Um, yeah. which is such a joke. Such a complete naive <laughs> joke. Um, so, um, I had, um, there's a, a group of, um, so I, I get to, I'm part of, I don't know, loads of different gaming groups. So yeah. from like your weekly ones, monthly ones to the ones that meet bi-monthly and then mm. quarterly and all this kind of thing. One of these groups meets up in Derby. There's like loads and loads of people. There's about 50 odd people now, I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, through that group, I met, um, uh, my friend Mike Nudd, um, who's the designer for Waggle Dance. And Mike had been like, Henry, I've got this thing to show. I've got this thing to show you. And I was just like, dude, I'm really sorry. I'm just like totally stacked. I can't even think. Um, yeah. and then at some point I got to look at it, um, at Waggle Dance and played it. I took it over to 
my girlfriend's and um, parents' place over in Ireland. We played through Waggle Nuts a couple of things at times and just went, actually, this is quite good. Um, uh, this could work. And then went out to London and signed a contract with Mike and then, um, we made Waggle Dance. So yeah. Oh, cool. So from Waggle Dance was lush because Mike had already done so much work. So all the balancing, um, yeah. all the play testing, all this kind of thing he had down. The game was fast. It was, um, deep. Um, and, uh, thematically it worked because, um, the whole B thing. And, um, I, it, I, the thing that really sold me on Waggle Dance is like all, like the perversity of making a game with so many dice that you just like, no get that game deserves to have so many dice. Um, Although now you have things like Dice Forge and so on. Um, but, um, the idea of like rolling all these, d- uh, bee dice in your hands mm. and it kind of imagining like this could be like a swarm of bees that you have in your hands. <laughs> I loved that. I really loved it. So, um, uh, we got rid of all the text in Wagglesons completely, made the whole thing language independent. Um, yeah. got some super cool, super cute artwork, which is a total disaster. Um, although it's brilliant artwork. <laughs> Um, the guy did, well, um, guy called Matthias Schulich, um, uh, we figured out of the whole world, there was like three people who were the best at low polygon art and Matt was one of them. And so it's like, we have to have you. Um, but from a commercial point of view, totally didn't work because, um, uh, uh, Americans look at it and they just go, what is it like an app? Yeah. Um, uh, Germans get it. Um, English get it in France. They're just like, um, this doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a B game. It wasn't B enough. It needed to be more B. Um, so <laughs> Wagadans went really, really well. So we kickstarted it. Um, kickstart was like real squeaky kind of pants thing. Um, we yeah. weren't going to make it. We weren't going to make it. And then suddenly we made it. Um, and that was cool. That was very cool, actually. Um, and, um, made it. And I made first run of Wagadans. We sold out in what, three months? If you're comparing us to like kind of Simon and all this kind of stuff, then it's, yeah. it's not anything. But for us, it was a big deal. Yeah. And, um, yes, we sold out. We made a new production run. I personally authorized making over one and a half million dice into the world. Oh no, one Whoa. and a quarter million dice into the world, which is just obscene. Really? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm, well, press the button. Yeah. <laughs> so I um I was talking to different manufacturers and they're all just like you can't do this it doesn't work yeah. it's going to cost yeah. too much money um so I went on uh went on Alibaba actually and just like figured out who does injection molding for like things and could they make dice and then contacted a load of companies and mm-hmm. um sourced it ourselves and then managed to get it kind of on cost and okay really so um that was wild so yeah we took it to the games expo um they were kind enough to, oh, okay. Um, they were kind enough to kind of, um, uh, award us the best family game for 2015, um, which again, totally rocked our world. Um, and, um, and we were able to sell loads, loads more. And yeah, that was Waggle Dance. So, um, super success. Amazing. Incredible. Learned so much from Waggle Dance. Really, really happy, um, to have made that game. That's awesome. So have you, um, have you thought about kind of, Doing like more reprints on that then. Um, so we've got what have we got at the moment? We've got about two and a half unit, two and a half thousand copies left to sell. Right. Um, out of the last um, print run, which was ten thousand copies, so that's not bad. Um, so we try and kind of have like an eighteen month turnover on print runs. Um, and um, are we going to reprint? I don't know. Hmm. Back 
at the time was superb and amazing. Yeah. But I don't know. It's kind of like I feel like we should be focusing on new games, not so much on. I don't know, on old games so much. So, like, Wagadance is great, uh-huh. um, superb game, but yeah. I'm not sure it's, like, compared to, like, other games that are out now, I think there's kind of too many similarities with things. Okay. Um, so, I think I'd like to just do something new, something different, something... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because if you're following other people, then what's the point? So, uh, yeah, let other people that. follow you. That's totally cool. It's <laughs> a form of flattery. Um, so you, yeah. m- you move on from bees to metal dice. That's, that was a bit of yeah, a change. Yeah, we did dice. We should have made a game. We shouldn't have done dice. Um, <laughs> so, um, beautiful dice, gorgeous <laughs> dice, amazing dice, um, dice the like of which you've never seen. Dice that are designed <laughs> to inspire awe and terror in the people who are sharing your gaming table with you. But, um, oh, they're lovely. We should have made a game. We shouldn't have done <laughs> dice. Um, so, um, Terralith was like a, uh, for the dice for, for Waggle Dance, um, mm. I got freaked out that, um, I didn't actually know anything about designing dice. So, um, I contacted, um, a lot of dice companies, so like Key Workshop and Chessix and all this kind of thing. And, um, the biggest kind of bounce I got back was from a guy called Davida Vera, um, who runs a company called Iron Drake. Um, it's an Italian company. I'd met them at Essen. He'd given me some free dice. That's all we'd had beforehand. So we met in Waggle Dance. Um, we got on with each other. Um, we started playing games online together. So we both realized that we were really into Mech Warrior, um, and Battletech and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, at some point, David went, well, like, I've got these dice I want to make. I don't know how to do it because we don't have any money as a company. And it's like, well, you could always like kickstart it, man. And, mm-hmm. um, and see if that works. And so that kind of turned into him saying, well, I don't know how to sell it and all this uh-huh. kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, so we kind of decided to like team up and went over to Italy. Um, completely mad thing. Um, uh-huh. just like drop the hat. So yeah, we'll go to Italy or I'll come over. Let's have a chat. <laughs> um, as you do. I've never yeah. been to Italy before. Um, first time in Germany was when I went to Essen. I mean, yeah. Uh, might as well it get was, out. It was gorgeous. It was like, um, so. He's from a uh, kind of uh, place called Bergamo, which is kind of north-ish Italy. Um, mm-hmm. And the town was, it was like Assassin's Creed, man. Um, just without, really? with slightly shorter towers. <laughs> everywhere you're looking, it's just like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really narrow kind of streets, yeah. really high towers, and all this gorgeous kind of like architecture and um, sculpture and all this kind of stuff everywhere. Just kicking around. They've got so much of it. Um and not thought of nick and stum then well, just no, a like, little bit <laughs> put well, in your bag not that anything i think all the small stuff probably has already been taken actually <laughs> i mean if, if that does exist but yeah it's um really nice um yeah really gorgeous place actually um and um i like italians i'm quite happy with italians um <laughs> it's kind of different countries and kind of none of you can speak each other's language that well but you can kind of yeah. give it a go so um yeah i quite liked it um, and I like to read a lot. And, um, so we decided to make Terralith, um, something really beautiful, um, mm. something really different. Oh, it's um, stunning. And it went really well, but it's not what we do as a company. We should be making games. We shouldn't be making dice. Um, so we have Terralith. Um, now we distribute Terralith throughout the UK, um, and Ireland. Um, and we do okay with it. It's, it's absolutely fine. Um, but it's, it shouldn't be our focus. So. Mm-hmm. We should be making games because we, um, 
I think we're better at it and um, yeah. I think it's more fun and it's certainly more closer to what I want to be doing with myself. So, uh-huh. And that's kind of the important thing, isn't it? So you moved from the crime of abandoning board games to then generating your own, say, let's, in fairness, perfect crime. <laughs> yeah, cute. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's... A, I, it's it a, wasn't like abandoned board games. It, it's kind of like, uh, at the time... Henry, it was yeah, a segue. Know, it's all right. <laughs> it's a segue. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was a terrible, shocking crime. I'm so sorry. Yes. Please forgive me. Good. Well, maybe. <laughs> we don't know. But um, you did move from um, from that into... I'm talking about your Kickstarter. Yeah. Now. This is like a perfect I, opportunity. I would say the perfect crime is yet to come, Richard. Ah, uh. right. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. <laughs> right, let's um, talk about the game. I'm giving you perfect <laughs> chance to talk about the game. That's hence why I moved uh. from abandoning board games into talking about the perfect crime. I don't know why well, I bother... Uh, no, it's, I'm just slow, man. I'm not fast enough. Come on. I mean... <laughs> right, okay. Well, we could always um, start again. All right. You went, you went from abandoning board games to, which is a crime, to creating the perfect yeah. crime? Yeah, uh, perfect crime stage. was yes. the next... So, yeah. so, so part of the reason why Terrorless happened was because um, my incredible, like, super plan of how everything's going to work, which turned to utter shit because that's <laughs> no plan survives enemy contact and um okay. everything that we had to do i hadn't I, I was really arrogant when i was younger i think um and um so long story short um we did cornish smuggler we did waggle dance and then um for the next year because you had to do a game a year i didn't have a game Seriously, I had kind of a game, but it wasn't good enough. I wasn't happy with it. So I was making like a super, uh, super villain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're building base, your super villains, you're building bases with traps and all this kind of stuff. And superheroes are coming in and, um, trying to mess up your stuff and all that kind of thing. And I wasn't happy with it and I didn't like it. And so, um, the dice, uh, doing Terralith was also a little bit of breathing room for me, um, kind of mentally. Um, so, um, throughout that whole year, I was working on what would become Perfect Crime. Um, and, um, I don't know what each designer has a different way of doing things. My, my yeah. way of doing things is to just like try and think of as many different ways of doing one thing and mm-hmm. trying them all out and seeing what works best and then yeah. moving on to the next thing and trying to think of as many different ways of doing that and then doing that. Um, so with Perfect Crime, I wasn't happy with the... It was the superhero, supervillain thing. I didn't like it. I really hated it. The mm-hmm. game was kind of like a loosely kind of base tower defense type thing. Um, yeah. And what I realized was actually I wanted to focus more heavily on that. And um, again, I don't know where the idea came from. I just went, oh, it has to be a heist thing. It has to be a heist game. And the yeah. second I went, oh, it has to be a heist game, I just knew it had to be a heist game. Um, with Cornish Smuggler, I really enjoyed... Um, I'm, I like researching stuff. I like kind of like losing myself in Wikipedia, um, and, um, really just kind of like reading around the subject a lot. Um, so with Cornish Smuggler, I really enjoyed the authenticity and the amount of authenticity we've managed to get into the game. And I wanted to do this perfect crime. So I, I spent a lot of time researching how to rob banks, um, and, um, kind of, uh, 
uh, kind of listening to um, uh, kind of seminars from DEF CONs and HOPE conferences and all this kind of stuff, um, reading books about lock picking and safe breaking and um, <laughs> that kind of side of things. Okay. <laughs> and also reading police reports on how people try to do heists and what works and what goes wrong. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. And that kind of turned, and also watching loads and loads of heist films because mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what I realized was with, I think one of the things that makes games enjoyable for players is the fact that they can get it really quickly. They, they know what kind of experience they're going to get from the game just yeah. by looking at the box. That's what I try and do. So, um, for, for all of us who have never actually kind of robbed banks and have no intention of robbing banks ever, we just kind of <laughs> like the vicarious thrill of it. Um, yeah. our in on this is from watching bank robbery movies. So watching like the shootout scene in height in, in heat. Yeah. Um, uh, that kind of thing, like the dead present stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that's what, that is as much, a, that is as real a bank heist as a real life bank heist. But yeah. People don't really get hurt. I mean, in real life, people get horribly hurt. Um, and, but in films, it's always actors and film people. So it's not real. There's like this level of kind of detachment. Yeah. Um, so I felt, well, let's see how much of this we can actually get in there. So not to make a game that is teaching how to rob banks. Um, definitely making a game that is, um, as edgy as we can. Um, yeah. we had to take out legal advice on what we can actually put into perfect crime, what I can't put into perfect crime. Seriously? Um, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> because like techniques and no, things. Just, well, so all the stuff that I was using was open source. It's just from researching on the internet, but mm-hmm. I don't want to get sued. Um, right. I really, really don't want to get sued. I mean, I'd love it if the Daily Mail somehow got a copy and went, this game teaches you how to make <laughs> rock banks because I need to sell loads. We'd sell so many. But, um, but, <laughs> It's, um, I don't know, it's, I don't want to get into that kind of place. And with Cornish Smuggler, where we're able to take, um, the, the kickstarting money as a proof of concept and then use that to generate more money to get a larger production run. That works really well. With Perfect Crime trying to do the same thing and people are just like, but it's about robbing banks. You're taking the piss here. (laughs) Um, you could just, you could just imagine the Daily Mail headlines kind of like, Board game designer brings bank <laughs> robbery into schools. Harry Jasper, 47, after bringing the crimes of smuggling in, smuggling in Cornwall and yeah. killer wasps is now bringing the uh, teaching your kids how to rob banks in this vicious cardboard killer. Protect your children. <laughs> don't buy it. You could just imagine it. And but I, I suppose you're right. If it sold a couple of copies, got yeah. the name out there, it'd be fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I really make me really, really happy. Um, the game's definitely disruptive. I like that. Um, it's definitely different from anything else that I've seen. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Um, mechanically, it's asymmetrical. It's a semi-co-op in that um, you have one person playing as a bank and the other people playing as robbers working together, but you can also play as a fully competitive game. So you can go completely, um, yeah, completely deep into it um, and have it as realistic as you want to make it um, yeah. because the way the game plays is how high actually work. Um, so yeah, so there's tower defense site kind of stuff. There's um, you, uh, hire, hire different robbers to form a crew. Mm-hmm. You equip them with different stuff. Um, so, and again, these are all equipment and, uh, techniques that 
real robbers actually use in films and real life. Um, and then you can scout out the bank or you can just go straight into the bank. But at some point you'll have to do a heist. Um, yeah. and when you're going into the heart, into the bank, you're leaving evidence behind you, um, which the bank, um, can take, um, which gives them, uh, uh, power up so they can power up their tad of their kind of oh, right, types okay. of security. They can use it to prematurely trigger the alarm or they can use it to power up the police when the police arrive. Um, that's pretty cool. One of the games I was really, really, really enjoyed, um, at the beginning of kind of like learning about board games, um, was Blockmania, um, early games workshop stuff. So early games workshop, mm-hmm. brilliant. Late games workshop, too commercial. Um, and in Blockmania, um, 2000 AD game. Um, so you're just, um, residents of a city block and you're controlling that block and it's all out war against all the other city blocks around you. And all you're trying to do is destroy each other. It's superb. Um, and um the end of the game is when the judges rock up. When the judges rock up, everything stops. Um yeah. because they get right foam out and um uh they're really powerful, all this kind of thing. So I wanted it with Perfect Crime to have the same sort of thing when the police turn up. So you can have the difference between just like a lone beat cop just kinda of like wandering past and investigating the bank alarm going off to like a fully armed SWAT team going there. Right. And the thing that should change that and dictate how that happens is how the players decide to perform their heist. Um, so if they're trying to stealth it, if they're trying to bribe people, if they're trying to subvert the guards, then they'll draw less attention to themselves and they'll storm in there and shoot everyone in the face. Um, yeah, I think Perfect Crime, without a doubt, is the best game I've ever made in my entire life. It's incredible. Um, I've been... We're running so late on this also, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Man, yeah. it, should, it should have been out. It was supposed to be out Christmas last year. And oh. um, I, we took it to Essen. So we took it to the Games Expo. That was all great. Everyone loved it. Yeah. Just to Essen, um, everyone loved it even more. Um, but I looked at it at Essen and I was just like, this can be better. Um, it really can be better. So I, I mm-hmm. again, I don't know, a bit too arrogant maybe. Um, <laughs> just a lot. I'm going to make it late. I want to do th- things to change it. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. also, we were kind of like, um, our illustrator was kind of right up against it. We've got, what is it, 114 different illustrations in Perfect Crime. Um, mm-hmm. and they're all super, um, they're super cool. So they, the idea with the, with the game is that the artwork fits the theme of the game as well as the mechanics fit in the theme of the game. And then the theme being reinforced with authenticity. Um, so, the artwork for this is all like um graphic novel, it's gritty, it's noir. Um at the Games Expo you have people coming up to us and say, Isn't that one of like does this guy like illustrate for two thousand AD? And it's like, No, he doesn't, but he should do because that's the style <laughs> that he goes for. Um and um so he was running he was right up against it. And yeah. um uh an Italian guy uh, called Nick Ramo, very, very talented. Um, and he was kind of like working too much because he was doing three jobs and all this kind of thing. So I just like, everyone just chill out a second. Yeah. Let's just give ourselves a bit more time and, um, delay perfect crime. Um, but the problem is perfect crime is still delayed. Hasn't been finished yet. Well, it has been finished. Yeah. Um, but there's just kind of like, it's not in print yet. It's not in the water yet. Um, so our rush as a company is to make it for Essen because we know how many we will sell at Essen. Um, and or we know how many we can sell at Essen. So, if we can get it just for Essen, ship all the Kickstarter copies out, give the other Kickstarter copies to people at Essen when we meet them in person, yeah. then we can sell. Then it's all gravy and everything's absolutely fine. But yeah, until yeah. then, oh. I don't know, man. It's a lot of work. So, yeah, very happy, but working very hard. I mean, I wouldn't feel um, guilty about it. I mean, um, you know, Kickstarters kind of are 
delayed kind of all the time. In fact, I think you'd have to be a bit naive as a backer not to expect them to be a little bit delayed. I I don't feel guilty so much. I feel responsible, definitely. Um, right. So... I don't know, kind of like when you, when you kind of get an email from people and they're just kind of like raging and it's like, this is unacceptable. I can't believe you've done this. And, um, not that that's definitely a minority. The majority of people are just like, yeah, this is totally cool. Really happy with it. Don't worry about it. Um, and just kind of keep on making it as good as you can. Um, so it was due like Christmas just there. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas just passed. Well, that's nothing. Yeah. It's not too late, right? I mean, it's not that bad. No, no. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, well, I've, I hope it isn't. No, I mean, I, the, the simple fact of the matter is that people, backers, kind of expect, as I said before, they kind of expect some kind of delay going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was speaking to Aaron West from Elsra Games, and he just seems to have had one bit of misfortune mm-hmm. after another, and so it's ended up with the the release of the project being kind of delivered quite a lot, a yeah, little cool. bit longer than that. So I wouldn't, I mean, people are there to back you. They've kind of got, they've kind of believed in what you can achieve and what you can deliver. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, I think backers, that's what they expect. You know, they expect and they come to recognise there's kind of some kind of, uh, some kind okay. of delays. So, you know, it's... Um, I don't feel guilty. I feel responsible because I'm really aware that I'm playing with other people's money here and I'm playing with the trust that they've put in me to make something which is like as completely kick-ass as I can make it. And that's what perfect crime is. I mean, but it's just, it's just like, um, yeah, and that's kind of the thing. So I feel, well, I think that the, um, They've obviously, they've seen the other projects that you've done, um, they're aware that you've not, mm-hmm. you know, this is the third one that you've done, so they've got some, you know, they've obviously got the confidence in you to, to kind of deliver. Um, I mean, what's the actual kind of time scale for having everything kind of finished off at the printers and, you know, ready to go and kind of, I guess, getting it ready to have it in people's people's hands? Um, probably a couple of days before we leave for Essen. I think that's, <laughs> that's how close it'll be. That's um, pretty close. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's two options. So either we yeah. print in Asia or we print in Europe. If we print uh-huh. in Europe, our lead times are totally, totally different. Yeah. Um, but it costs more. And um, uh, because Perfect Crown is running so late and um, because we've sunk a lot of money into Polish Smuggler, we are, um, don't really have too much wriggle room to play with. But we do have some. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's just like less ideal, really. Um, yeah, yeah. The business side of, kind of like running board games, running a board game publishing company, is very, very different from the design side. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting that I think. But yeah, so um, we can. Yeah, so it, worst case scenario would be um, uh, printing in Europe um, and making it happen that way. But we've still got plenty of time for that. So if we were to go down that route, we would be able to have it way before us and wouldn't be that much of an issue. If we go from the Asian route, then we will um, ship separately to Essen as well as shipping. So we'll ship the bulk of it um, to the mm-hmm. UK, um, to the office and we'll distribute from there. Okay. Um, and then we send like um, a pallet or two over to Essen also um, and do it like that. So you um, are you a bit secretly excited about um, getting the feedback when people are kind of opening it and kind of uh, 
getting their hands in it and playing um, playing Perfect Crime for the first time then. Yeah, man, I'm not even secretly excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm totally, totally stoked about it. Because, um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, the benefit of, like, kind of taking so long is you, you're still playing it. I mean, nothing changes. You're still, like... Yeah. Like trying to kind of like convince playtest groups who've already seen this game like 20 times to just give it another go. Come on. It's uh-huh. like different. Uh-huh. Um, first we can try this and they're just like, fuck's sake, man. Leave it alone. <laughs> give me another game. Um, but I know from, so I, I know kind of what people's reactions to this game is. I am seeing it at like the, at the expo and demoed it solidly for three days. Um, as many, we, we had no downtime whatsoever. Um, and it was just solid, solid demo after demo after demo. And normally with the playtesting, I'm not there because it's not useful to have the designer there for the whole thing. Um, so I, I'm actually with all the playtests that have been happening, it's like I'm not even involved. Um, I just kind of hear about it afterwards or I watch a video of it or, or however. Um, but at the expo, it's like I can see it firsthand, face to face. I can see like the jokes that people are coming up with, and it's kind of like the number of groups that like you only had one job, and it's kind of like all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so I know that it works. I know that yeah. it works. It's I'm I'm not even worried about it. It's not an issue for me. Um, I know it will be. Yeah, I know it will be ace. So yeah, that's cool. So Very have you excited. um <laughs> have you designed it with um kind of a lot of replayability in um, in terms of the different teams you can play then? Um, yeah, you can totally do that. So um, we've got um, different cruiser robbers that you can play with. So the game comes with, the base game comes with um, how different crews. So you've got corrupt cops, you've got ex-service personnel, you've got gentlemen robbers, and you've got mobsters. So there's four. Um, there's a promo crew of hackers um, which we produced for everyone who pre-ordered a copy and for Kickstarters as well. Um, but in terms of kind of making more crews, there's more ways that can happen, more differences that I can put on the different crews. So like, um, uh, the ex-service guys are like really heavy, whereas like the, the gentleman robbers are, um, kind of like much sneakier, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's a lot more multidimensional than that. Um, and there's more differences that can be put in. There's more real world stuff that can be put in. There's more techniques for robbing banks that can be put in. There's oh, right, more ways okay. the bank can be expanded. There's more, there's way mm. more things that the bank player can be doing. Um, in terms of like the people they're hiring, um, yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of ways the perfect crown can be taken. Um, so if everything does go according to plan, um, and uh, the game is a huge success uh, critically and commercially, um, as I think it really will be, um, then, yeah, for sure we'll be doing expansions, man, because, like, it adds to the game. It makes it better. With X-Wing, so I, I don't know if you're an X-Wing player or not. Yeah. yeah I'm not an X-Wing. Yeah. I, I'm not an X-Wing player, partly because um, I don't have um, kind of, I don't know, partly because I don't have the money for all the ships. It's partly because I don't have... <laughs> Uh, the time to just be playing one game. I, I, yeah. But when I do play X-Wing, um, it's great. Now, the part of the reason I mentioned the money thing is because Fantasy Flight obviously have a license for Star Wars. And they've got it for, I don't know however long it is, like three years, four years. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they want to get as much out there as they possibly can in that time. Not partly because they make more money from it, but I think from like the coolness of the game, adding to the hobby and adding to the industry um, and making better games basically which is what we should all be doing um x-wing becomes a better game by having all this extra stuff that you can do with it and all these different ways that you can take it and all these different ways you can play it so 
I think that makes games better, personally. I mean, yeah, as designers, as publishers, we should all be focusing on what can we do to make things better, um, not what can we do that is that will definitely make money or yeah. is kind of like, we know that people are really into this, so let's make more of this. Uh-huh. Um, new things, different things, inventive things. Um, that's what makes, that's what I think is so cool about this. Um, the board game industry is young enough, um, not in, and by this I mean like, we're talking modern board games, I'm not talking like old board games. We're talking about kind of the way our toys have become more and more sophisticated and more engaging and just better designs. That's what we should be adding to. Um, yeah. I think Poker Pro definitely adds to that. And what's your kind of your thoughts on this? Um, the kind of there's a little trend at the moment for games to have kind of like um, companion apps. Um, you know, get everything from kind of like mini guides to soundboards and and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Have you had any more? Uh, have you had any kind of thoughts about kind of going that way with Perfect Crime at all, or is it something you you kind of steering clear from? Yeah. Okay. So I mean. Yeah, I, I like that kind of stuff. I like soundboards, um, and, um, that's all cool. Um, with Perfect Crime, if it's going into app land, and there's, there's, um, I don't know, we've got four companies at the moment who really want to do it, and, um, I've been putting all this off. I've been putting off everything. So I've been putting off, um, kind of sub-licensing. I've been putting off distribution mm. until mm-hmm. it's just finished because, for me, there's no point talking about this kind of stuff until the game actually exists. Yeah, okay. Um, but from an app point of view, yeah, the way it would work is it'd just be, you'd be able to play the game, but you'd be able to play multiplayer with people. Um, it wouldn't be a, a companion thing. If we were going to app it, then we'd app it so that the game can be played on, um, on, uh, your phone. Um, oh, right, not okay. Just okay. the tablet on your phone. Um, yeah. so yeah, if we did, but seriously, it's like, I don't know. We haven't done app stuff beforehand. I mean, I've always been kind of scared of it because, like, how do you market it? There's so many apps out there. Like, how can you actually kind of get to the point where your app is actually known? Um, and then suddenly you're thinking about, well, you're using board, the board game as, like, an advert for the app or, like, what's going on with that? I don't know. It's kind of, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like, um, it feels like suddenly we're kind of, like, losing the purity of what we're doing. Um, yeah. Although that kind of probably sounds a bit too up my ass, also. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I can, I can see that. No, I mean, you're right. I've heard people that have actually said they just wouldn't go near kind of any other app at the same time. But on the other side, I've seen things like, say, the companion app for like Descent, um, that works like really, really well. Well, so, it does. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, so you know, so people can actually play alongside like a two a single player campaign by themselves, or they can play alongside other people without without if one mm-hmm. person having to sacrifice and be like the kind of like the dungeon master, basically. Um, so yeah. you know, I don't know. It's 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 one of these things that it's not kind of being grabbed by everybody. Um, it's like when legacy games came out. I mean. You don't see mm-hmm. every single game now as a kind of like a legacy game, and I think it's going to be the same with the apps that it'll be, it'll turn up as kind of like appropriate. Okay. Um, when it's kind of like, um, you know, when it can add a little bit of extra difference or kind of value 
value to the game. Um, but moving onwards, um, obviously you've got, you know, you've Cornish smugglers cracking on, uh, Waggle Dance is, you know, doing its own thing, um, Perfect Crime is going to be, um, out there. Um, I mean, looking to the future, do you have, are you like other designers? Um, cause you said earlier on you've got quite, kind of like a quite a busy mind. So do you have like, say, other projects mm-hmm. that you're kind of getting to the table or do you just have the odd kind of nine or 15 or 10 or seven that you're kind of steadily working away on in the background? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Yeah, so I'm currently working on like eight games at the moment. Um, okay. But, um, <laughs> no, wait a sec. So I'm, I'm working on Perfect Crime at the moment. Right now, it has to be Perfect Crime, and it will be for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and solidly just that. But in terms of games done, I think it's like... Yeah, so like, kind of... For me, my process, I mean, like, I really... I, I do best, like, having stuff, like, ticking over in the back of my brain, and then at some point, it'll just pop out, and it'll be like, yeah, that's how it works. So... In terms of the games that I'm working on at the moment, um, I'm really happy with them. Um, they're coming along quite nicely, um, but I'm not expecting anything kind of like soon. As a company, it's a different deal because we have um, we have to be kind of like releasing stuff like at least once a year. So um, this next 18 months, the first time in the company we've actually got um, product release sorted for this mm-hmm. whole 18 month period. So we've got three games we're going to be bringing out. Um, oh, cool. I totally can't talk about them right now, um, but I That's... will talk about them once Perfect Crime's out. And Not done even and, and just like a little snippet? Point, if that makes sense. Um, no, no, seriously, seriously, seriously. Oh. I spoke to Rosie about this beforehand. She's like, no, you fucking can't. Yeah, I was like, okay, fine, just leave it. Um, <laughs> that's no, so bad. No, that's, that's the way it is. Henry, that's um, so bad. So... No exclusive yeah, I'm then. Very, very happy. Right. Um, and so what it is, it's like, oh, here's three new games that we're not going to tell you about. Well, okay, well, let me swing this the other way. So Rosie's argument, and I think she's kind of got something on it. It's like, okay. we can't, we shouldn't be kind of like saying stuff until we actually kind of really, really publicly say it. So we do like press releases, we've got our work up on Board Game Geek, um, we've got like kind of intro teaser videos, all this kind of stuff. We shouldn't say anything okay. until we're at that point because... What you were saying about themes and, I mean, like, kind of games sell, in the UK, we buy, we buy games predominantly if they have a TV or film license attached to them. Um, because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, in America, it's a similar deal. Um, in Germany, it's a similar deal, but it's a little bit different. Um, the, if we're making games which don't have TV or film licenses attached to them, because, um, uh, because they're too expensive, it doesn't work with the game, it's cross-commercialization, whatever, um, then we shouldn't do anything because someone else, another company can come. I'm not saying that they'd like copy our idea, but they'd copy... It's... You know, there's a word for this. It's like the whole thing of like um, two separate teams of people working on like DNA at the same time. And it's not that they're kind of like doing anything weird or anything like that. It's just that's what's in the zeitgeist. So that's what's in the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that's what people are thinking of. And I think kind of it's something which we, as like as a publisher, um, we should just kind of like, I don't know, come up with some kind of like policy on it. That's the word. 
um, okay. on how we do this. And at the moment, we don't have a policy on it because we've never we've never been in this place where we've kind of planned ahead. So well, right. not that we haven't tried to plan ahead, it's just other things have always come up. Um, yeah, so we do have three amazing fabulous games, which um, we'll be releasing over the next just, 18 months, but I can't talk about them. You're just um, absolutely... I'm just, sorry, man. No, um, you're just absolutely so just killing me. It's so thing. shit, it's disappointing. You know, I can tell you're disappointed. I am very, very disappointed. I have got a sad I can tell you privately, I mean, but just like, because it's some... Oh. Well, okay, well, you can always just come back on then. I mean, and then don't tell me, just... It just gives me an excuse to get you back on the show again, really. Okay, well, I'm happy to come on any time you want me on, that's fine. And um, you would be more than welcome to come on, yeah. because um, this has been... It's been a lot of fun, and it's been... Um, yeah, I've had a really, really good time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but obviously, one of the things that we have to do um, is... Well, basically, if people want to keep an eye on what you're going to be up to, um, keep an eye on what's going to be happening with the Cornish Smuggler. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and keep an eye on the fabulous, fan- really, really interesting looking perfect crime. Let's be honest about okay, it. Okay, I'm flattered already. I mean. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, where's the best place to find you? Where can they find you on the interweb nets? Yeah, okay. So, um, so Twitter's probably where we're most active, I would say. Um, so our Twitter account is Grubland Games. Um, we, uh, have a lovely website, um, which is grublin.com. Um, and, um, we're on Facebook, obviously. Again, Grubland Games. And we're on Board Game Geek. Just like check out any of our games or type in Grubland Games again. Um, but most active on Twitter, I would say. Um, we find it easiest. Um, we're like a super small team, man. So it's very easy for things to get dropped because we suddenly have to focus on something else. So, um, yeah, that's where it's at. Cool. Okay. Well, as normal, what we will do mm-hmm. is that we will make sure that these all go in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, yeah, cool. Okay. And um, are you guys on um, Instagram at all? Um, I don't think we are. Rosie might have put us on there. I don't think. Yeah, well, I, I'm kind of really not sure. We're on Instagram, you see. And, well, um, it's a Reddit thing, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, I put up a kind of like a picture of HeroQuest and all of a sudden I get like lots and lots of people kind of, that I don't really know, kind of like pressing it and, li- and liking it and following us on so it. HeroQuest so. is ace. I agree it, with you. Yeah, I know it is ace. I would like that picture. I mean, because <laughs> I like HeroQuest. Well, um, a lot. You know, a lot of people have liked it. So, um, <laughs> but it still obviously completely confuses me as to why. As to other places, you can find us if you go to Google and you search for We're Not Wizards. So we are on, um, Twitter at We're Not Wizards, Facebook at We're Not Wizards. You can email us magic at We're Not Wizards dot com. Um, we are on YouTube as well because our lovely hosts are podcast host Podbean automatically put our episodes onto YouTube. So we don't have one of those fancy URLs but you can definitely find us if you do a search. We're also on the usual kind of Stitcher and Spreaker and all these other kind of fabulous places. Um, You can also find us on iTunes as well. And as we always say, um, 
If you like what you've heard, then drop us a subscription or a review. Um, if you drop us a review, don't give us a 10 because that'll make us big headed. And don't give us a 1 because that'll make us cry. Give us like a 5, like something in the middle because, well, you know, it's average. And uh, we are decidedly average. <laughs> But someone who has not been average tonight is the rather fantastic, the rather wonderful, the rather crime-focused um, Mr. Henry Jasper from Grubbling Games. You know that like my head's already fat enough. I mean, I don't need any more. <laughs> well, no, I just want to wish you um, best of luck with getting the printing all done um, before Essen and I hope it yeah. all works out for you. Um, obviously, there's the other possibility that you might just end up using all this research on bank robberies and being pretty much put it to good use. Yeah. Well, it'll be a publicity stunt, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, well, and finally, there's only two more things to do. Um, the first thing is, of course, and as always, is to remember that we are many things. But we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Henry? Well, we're not wizards. But I do I do like um that whole kind of like um you know like that Star Trek thing of like <laughs> um the races in Star Trek are different kind of like um races in the world, so like the Vulcans oh. are supposed to be the Japanese and and that kind of thing. And yeah. I like the, the Tolkien analogy of like People are either like humans or hobbits or wizards or elves or anything uh-huh. like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm certainly not, I'm not a wizard. I know that I'm a dwarf, um, but um, maybe somewhere along there, something you can be wizards. <laughs> Let's hope. Well, dwarfs are solid and they make stuff, and that's good for the soul. So yeah, well, that's yeah. cool, excellent. And it's um, and the other thing is to say goodbye. So it is goodbye from the. As I said, the rather wonderful, the rather amazing, the rather fantastic, the rather interesting um, Mr. Henry Jasper. Say goodbye, Henry. Yeah, goodbye, Henry. Richard, thank you so much for having me on, man. It's, um, oh, it's been so nice. It's just like chilled. It's like, <laughs> it's like what you were saying at the beginning. It's a, it's a conversation. It's not like a, a, a cell thing. And some... Yeah, well, I mean, it's just all about, as I said, it's kind of like just... Getting together, no pressure, no questions, just a good old chat between a couple mm. of people. And it's, uh, it's certainly been um, a lot of good fun. So, one last time, say goodbye, Henry. Goodbye, Henry. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, um, do a bit of smuggling down at Cornwall, um, go and check out Waggle Dance and and finally, think about um, planning a heist um, and getting it together and putting together that perfect crime. Because it looks like it might be something uh, rather special indeed. But um, until the next time, um, goodbye. <laughs>